0: We have been going through the Book of Hebrew, that chapter eleven, the Hall of Faith, and we've been looking at these men and women of faith and how they have been faithful to God. And it's been us mostly been a walk through the Book of Genesis. He talks about Abel and Enoch, and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, Joseph and Moses. Moses is actually not in Genesis; he's in Exodus. And Deuteronomy and all those. And then we skipped all the way up to to Joshua last week with Joshua and Rahab. And the writer of Hebrews is a lot like us preachers. We get, he's like, okay, I got to skip ahead. We got to summarize here a little bit. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing. And that's where we get to in verse 32, because he's been going through the Bible, giving all this, and he's like, I can't give this level of detail for everybody. And that's where we come to. So let's read Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 32. Let's stand as we read God's word. I'm sorry, Hebrews. Thank you, Patsy. My, my, brain, my Bible's open to Hebrews. I was thinking Hebrews, but my, it, it, yes, it happens often these days. But what says in my head doesn't come out of my mouth. I don't know why that is. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, And the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies in flight. Women received their dead dead by resurrection, and others were tortured. Not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword, they were went about in sheepskins and goatskins and being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated, men who were not whom the world was not worthy wandering in the deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. But because God has provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not have been made perfect. Let's pray. God, we just take this word. It's your word. Just give your servant the words to speak right now. That we can take these words of faith so that we may have faith and live a resurrected life. We pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. You may be seated. And so as you go through the book of Hebrews, you get to this chapter and you go, why is this chapter even here? Because as you go through the book of Hebrews, he's talking theology stuff. He's talking about, you know, he starts off in chapter 1 reading a, quoting a bunch of Old Testament scriptures about the Messiah and who the Messiah is. And he continues to talk about the Messiah as, as a high priest, as an order of Melchizedek. But then he also talks about Jesus, the Messiah, is also the, the sacrifice. And he's talking all this theology stuff. Why is chapter 11 here? Why does he all of a sudden go from that to talking about these people, these people of faith? But it's not just all of a sudden. He he, he talks about this faith back in chapter 6. Back back in chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, he says, And we desire that each one of you, the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We just read about promises. And so he was getting here. He was talking about this faith. And then you get to chapter 10. And in fact, he talks about the opposite of faith in chapter 10, verse 26. He says, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who was set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That is the opposite of faith. When you set aside the law of God, you're not living by faith. When you reject the scripture and sin willfully, you are not living by faith. And so he goes from that. And, and you go down, if you go to continue down through chapter. Tender, you go down to verse 38, he actually quotes the Old Testament talking about living by faith. He says those, in in verse 38, um, there it is. He says, "But but but my righteous one shall live by faith. And he's quoting from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, yeah. It's one of the minor prophets, one of those short books. There's only three chapters. And Habakkuk talks about living by faith. And don't shrink back. When you shrink back, you're not living by faith. That's what it says in verse 39. But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering or the preserving of the souls, the possessing of the souls, depending on your translation. And so we get to this. He says, okay, I've talked about this faith. Don't shrink back. Don't turn back from God. And now we get to chapter 11. He says, now let me give you some examples. And that's what we have here. As we go through all of chapter 11, remember it started off with chapter 11, 1, 1. Chapter 11, 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. Or you may say the men of ancient men have gained approval the assurance or the substance of things hoped for or expected for the conviction or the eagerness or the evidence of things not seen it says let me show you how these people lived by faith so what is faith faith is trusting Faith is believing. Faith is an action. And where is it from? Faith comes from God. And so we're going to look at from these the last part of, uh, of the book of Hebrews, three products of faith today. Three products of faith you got notes in there, you know they're not filling the blanks, but there's some blank spots. So if I say something it's important, it picture your interest, write it down. or if yeah, if I make reference to a scripture that you need to look up. But the number one product of faith is faith produces victories. We like that one. Faith produces victories. You had faith in the chiefs that they were going to win, and they won, right? Faith produces victories. But we're not talking about the sports arena. Produces victories. Well, look at verse 32. And what more shall I say? For a time will family, if I tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, those aren't some of those guys aren't real popular that we we know a lot about. Samson, we they make movies about Samson, but those other guys not so much. All four of those guys, if you this is your homework assignment, go read the book of Judges. All four of those guys are in the book of Judges, and you can read about them because Gideon and Barak and Samson, you can see their steps of faith. Although Samson's kind of weird. Then you get to Jephthah. And he's a really weird guy that he's mentioned here. There's some unusual things that his life of faith was not what you consider a normal life of faith. But yet he's listed here. He's in the book of Judges. And so read up on those guys, because like the writer of Hebrews, we don't have time to rehash all four of those guys. Of David and Samuel and the prophets. So then he skips ahead. So book of Judges. Then you get David and Samuel. You read about those in First and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles. You can read about David. David lived by faith. Samuel actually came before David. He anointed the unfaithful King Saul, the first king of Israel. But he also anointed King David. So not everything his faithful man did apparently worked out. He, he followed, Samuel followed God as a child, but yet his own children didn't, his own sons ended up not following God. And then he mentions, the writer just mentions prophets. Which ones? Yep, all of them. Some of the prophets in the Bible, in the Bible have their own books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all, all 12 of those guys are the minor prophets, but there are others that don't have their own book. Elisha and Elijah, they don't have their own book. The prophet Nathan doesn't have his own book. And there are other prophets, as you read through Samuel and Kings, that you see, and some of them have names, and some of them, they don't even get a name. They're a prophet of God, but they're not even named. But they were faithful, too. And then we get to. The, so, read. So I can't come up with all, you know, rehash all their lives. But they were faithful men of God, too. They're there in the Old Testament for you to read. The Old Testament is not a boring book, people. Okay? I mean, when when one of the people listed here, his statement of faith is his long hair. He's like, what? You want me to get long hair again? I get a good mullet going. I'm not in the army. I can do it now. There are axe heads that float, people. There's a donkey who talks. There is a guy who was hired to pronounce curses on Israel, but instead pronounces blessings because he can't help it. Because God gets on him. The shadow on the stairs goes backwards, according to the sun once. There are people resurrected from the dead in the Old Testament. And we get some of those here. He says, look at all these great things that happened in verse 33. Who by faith conquered kingdoms. See Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. Performed acts of righteousness. Obtained promises. Shut the mouths of lions. Quenched the power of fire. We know those guys. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know about those guys. Um, Escaped the edge of the sword. Elijah ran for his life because... Queen Jezebel wanted to kill him. From weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. And I can can recount the Bible stories of all those. They're in the Old Testament. But think about that. So all these great victories. And you know what? The name it and claim it. People who says, you know, you just pronounce what God wants to do and you have enough faith and they'll do it. They, they get it partially right because here it says you live by faith. These great things will happen. So there's a kernel of truth in what they say, which is why it's so enticing. Jesus said if you have the faith of a mustard seed, which that's a very tiny seed. Okay, you can get caught underneath your thumbnail. If you have the faith, of you can tell a mountain to jump into the ocean, and it will. But not for your own glory, not for your own personal glory or any personal. It's for the glory of God. So far, that hasn't happened, as far as we know. Maybe it's some event that will happen in the future. It hasn't happened yet. But it won't be because you and I command it to happen. We don't have that power to command God, and that's where they get it wrong. We are not, God is not at our beck and call. But think about it. In order for each of these wonderful events to have happened, that he just listed something bad had to happen first. In order for the mouths of the lions to be shut, you had to be thrown into the lion's den. In order to escape the punishment of fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, you had to be thrown into the fire. In order to receive somebody back from the dead, somebody had to die. In order to have a major victory in battle against a foreign enemy, you had to be at war. So don't be too quick to say, I want these victories in my life. Because something has to happen beforehand. Peter was rescued out of jail. Why did he have to be rescued? Because he was arrested and thrown in jail. And did he expect to be saved? No, because his buddy James had just been arrested, thrown in jail, and executed by the same ruler. And now there's Peter. He's in jail. Read about this in Acts 12, both of these cases. And so the God that rescued Peter was also the God that let James, the disciple, be executed. And Peter was so uptight about it that he was sleeping when the angel showed up. And the angel had to kick him and wake him up. Read about it, Acts 12. And then said, Hey, get your coat. Put your coat on. Come on. he had to lead Peter by the hand. Peter was just out of it. He was, on, he was to be executed, and he was sleeping. That's how worried he was about it. Now, we know later Paul, he had the same thing happen, but he decided to stay up all night and sing. That's another way to show faith. But when terrible things happen, you can stand for God by faith, and God can accomplish great things for God not for you, not for me. It's for God. We just happen to be there. He said, I don't have the faith to deal with that. Maybe not today, but you will have, God gives us, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that God is the source of your faith. He will give you the faith you need in that day. So God... Faith in God produces victories. Faith in God also produces sufferings. What? That's not right. We're supposed to, you know, the bed of roses. You go jumping the bed of roses out here. It's not so much fun. It's thorns. But God, faith in God sometimes produces suffering. Look at verse 35. So I read the first part of 35. Women received back their dead by resurrection, but then I stopped. The rest of verse 35 says, And others were tortured, not accepting the release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death by the sword. They were about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. That doesn't sound like a walk of faith I want. Who wants to sign up for that? That's worse than a deployment. How? What? Why would... We want to sign up for this. How is this a step of faith to experience all these things? Just think back to the Old Testament. Joseph, he was thrown into a pit by his own brothers, then sold as a slave. Then he did all right for a while. Then the boss's wife lied about him and got thrown in jail. <laughs> Why? Because he walked by faith. And even though he knew he would be in trouble, he rejected the advances of his boss's wife, even though it landed him in jail. If you're going to go to jail, go for the right reason, not the wrong ones. Go for jail for being righteous, not for being unrighteous. That's what Peter says in his letters in 1 Peter. He says, if you're going to go to jail, go for righteous reasons. Don't go for unrighteous My brother is in jail for unrighteous reasons. Um, Don't go for that reason. Jeremiah, he was preaching the word of God. They put him in stocks one time, left him in stocks overnight, laughed at him, threw things at him, just like they did in the Middle Ages. Another time he got thrown into a pit full of mud up to his armpits for preaching the word of God. He wrote all his sermons down, and somebody, one of the kings burned it, and he had to write them all down again. It doesn't say in Scripture, but tradition says that he went to Egypt after, after the exile happened. There were, some were left behind, and Jeremiah was one that's left behind. We know that from Scripture, and we know they went to Egypt. Tradition says that while he was in Egypt, his fellow Jews eventually stoned him because they got tired of him preaching. And the one here that says Son in 2, that one you will not find in the Old Testament. I've been studying for the sermon. I did some research, and tradition says that Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, was sawn in two, remained conscious the entire time by King Manasseh, the son of godly King Hezekiah. And he was, like I said, he was conscious the whole time. He did that because of his faith. Well, David, he was a godly man. You know, he wrote all those Psalms that Brian read at the beginning of the service where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would David say that? Well, he was a godly guy. He, you know, he he worked at home well, but his family thought he was the runt of the litter. That when Samuel showed up at the house and said, Hey, one of your sons is, is, is going to be a king, they didn't even think to call David. They had to delay and wait because they didn't call him initially. David was laughed at by Goliath because he was a puny little guy. David got the last laugh on him because David slew Goliath with Goliath's own sword. That's in the Old Testament. You can read that. Well, they got better for David because David got hired to be a musician in the palace. There's a cush job. And he eventually became um, the son-in-law of the king. There you go. That's pretty good. Until the king got mad at him and threw a spear at him. He had to dodge it. And then he had to run for his life and live in caves. And his wife, that first wife, got taken away from him twice. Well, he lost her twice. Once, not his own fault, once by his choice because she turned her back on God. And even when he became king, He had to wait seven years. He only became king of part of Israel. He had to wait seven years for the rest of Israel to be convinced that he was truly the king because people thought he was like a traitor to King Saul. And people who helped him got executed because of that. People who helped David escape got executed by King Saul. So his friends got executed because of it. And to become king, he had to have his best friend die. Because he walked by faith. If you were a Christian in China and we were doing this, we would be illegal. Because my sermon has not been approved by the government. And we are not registered with the the government of China. And we don't have a picture of Xi Jinping up on the wall here, the president of China. And if they caught us, they would bulldoze this building. They would arrest the pastors and, and try to get the pastors to reveal all the members. And members, you would lose your government jobs, your government benefits. And the pastors would be charged with sedition against the government. And Iran, if you witness to Muslims, that is an offense that can be, you can be arrested and executed for. And if a Muslim comes to Christ, they can be executed for that and are being executed for that this very day. And there are various other countries in the world. Just last week, there was a congregation in Congo. They weren't doing anything against the law. They were perfectly legal. But a group came in and bombed their sanctuary during the service. They planted a bomb in there, and it went off in the sanctuary during the service because they were making a statement because they did not follow the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so they were making a statement by bombing a church. Would you go to church if you thought there was a chance that somebody planted a bomb in here? Faith produces suffering sometimes. Sometimes the suffering is we know that we have faith and a loved one or somebody you work with dies and you know they didn't know Jesus. The book of Revelation says the prophet was was given a a piece of scripture, and and the the angel said, eat it. He had to literally eat a piece of paper. And he ate it, and he said, when I ate it, in my mouth it was sweet as honey. But when I swallowed it, it made me sick to my stomach. The gospel is sweet, and it's great. But when you realize that there were people dying and going to hell, it makes you just sick to your stomach sometimes. That's why we have to witness. That's why a part of discipleship is learning how to tell others. Will you still live by faith in Jesus Christ, even if it costs you, your friends, your family, maybe your job? I've I've seen people post that they have to lose their job because they have a, a, a boss that is unethical, and they won't do it. And they lose their job for it. Because they won't do the unethical things your boss or illegal things your boss wants to do. So faith in God produces suffering. And thirdly, faith in God produces an eternal reward. Look at verses 39 and 40. And all these things, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. But God has provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would, they would not be made perfect. We can make all kinds of plans we want for great things, okay? We can plan for all kinds. We can plan for our retirement. We can plan our vacations. We can plan great events for this church to do. But what are the plans of God. Whose plans do you want? My plans or God's plans? Who do you think can have a better reward? Something I can come up with or something God can come up with? And sometimes our reward is not on this earth. What did he say there? You know, if we go back, if you, 38, he says, men who moved the world was not worthy. If you're a statement, if you follow Christ, It's not worthy of this world. They're not going to celebrate you following God. Think about just what has happened in our political situation in the last 50 years of this country, 60 years of this country. What used to be center and people believed on the left and the right is now far-right extremists. The world has changed. This country has changed, anyways. The world hasn't changed. The world has been the same since the time of Christ. All right? The world has not changed from the time of Noah to the time today. The world is a sinful place. Men seek sinful things, not godly things. The men of God have almost always, as the world goes, have been in the minority. The men and women of God. We have always been in the minority worldwide. Sometimes there's pockets for a time that there's a pocket where Christians are stronger, but it doesn't last because men are sinful. So think about it. You go through just the book of Hebrews. These people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, what was the promise? That they're going to a promised land, the land of flowing with milk and honey. None of those men ever got to permanently live there. Abraham, Jacob, Isaac—they got to live there for a while, but they weren't—they they were temporary dwellers or They didn't possess the land. Moses never got to be in the land. He died the day before, you know, just before they they went in. He never—he never got to see. He led Israel for forty years, and he didn't get to go into the Promised Land. Why? Because of his own sin problems. He had anger issues. God said, tap the rock, and he got mad, and he, he beat on it, and he hit it hard. <laughs> he had anger issues, and God said, nope, you're not going in. You can stand on the mountain and look, but you can't go. Joshua did get to go into the land, but he didn't get there until he was an old man. He didn't get to live there very long. David, a man after God's own heart, he God talked to him promised him the Messiah would come from his line. But did David see the Messiah? No. How many? Think about all the Messianic prophecies that David wrote about and the other prophets wrote about throughout, throughout the Old Testament. How many of them saw the Messiah? Zero. Double zero. None of them saw the prophet. They, they wrote about something they didn't get to see. Did it stop their faith? No, Isaiah got, Isaiah's one that wrote some of the most of the prophecies about the Messiah. And he got sawn in two for his faith. What will we do for our faith? We got in the New Testament, God has made wonderful and terrifying promises about the future of this world. Will we see it? I don't know. It may start tomorrow. It may not start for another 150 years. I don't know. God knows I don't. Will you continue to live by faith regardless? The only earthly promise God has given us is that we can die knowing that we will live forever with Jesus in heaven. That's all we got. I always wonder if I have the courage, if somebody ever put a gun to my head and says, Renounce God. Do I have the courage to say what? You're threatening me with heaven? <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, so. I don't know if I'd have that courage, that faith, but if I need if I need that faith in that day, God will give it to me. So when So when we live by faith, we can get glorious victories. Or we may have to endure sufferings. So which is it? Victories or sufferings? Yeah. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> we don't know which one we're going to get because we don't get to choose. You don't get to choose. God decides. That too is faith. So what do we gain by living in faith? We just saw that in First 38 through 39. We get God's promise. We get God's plans. Do you want to live by your plans, or do you trust God to live by his plans? Do you want temporary earthly rewards, or do you want an eternal reward in heaven? On earth, it may seem that living by faith is a lonely life. Elijah thought he was alone. And God said, no, there were 7,000 other people in Israel that have not bent the knee to Baal. He just didn't know about it. And God sent him to Elisha to have a partner. But yet you were joined by a long—you are joining a list of ones listed here in this chapter eleven, and by you. But you are also joining other men and women who are not recorded in Scripture, but are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. So think about all the people are just listed here. You were joining them when you live by faith. You are joining the countless people throughout the Old Testament who lived by faith. Who, As you go through, you see a lot of nameless people there who lived by faith. And you get people who aren't even listed there who lived by faith. The same with the New Testament. Where are all these people? We're going to find out in the sermon. This says in verse, because if you keep reading, it says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin that easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. There is a cloud of witnesses watching us. We're not alone. It may seem like we're alone on this earth, but we are not alone for eternity. There are others who have ran this race and have remained faithful. You can too. Will you choose to live by faith? What sin do you need to give up? What action in your life that may seem weird to this world but is a step of faith for you? Abel put proper meaning on his worship. That he knew it was not a casual task. He placed high importance on worship of God. And he was killed for it. Do you need to place a higher importance on the worship of God? This is just not a one-hour hangout time. Think about it. It's actually a pretty boring way. You come here and you listen to some weird guy come up here and talk. This is worship. And this should not be your only worship of the week. Well, can not I worship God in nature? Yes, and you absolutely should, just not during this time. You'd be here at this time. Worship God throughout the week. Abraham showed his faith by simply moving to a new town. He left his country and moved to a new country. That was his faith. A purely earthly action, but it had a heavenly meaning because God made it so. What earthly action do you need to take? Jacob's faith, as you read through here, was to bless his family with godly words. Speak godly words to his family. How can you bless others with godly words around you? Joseph's active faith was his funeral arrangements. He says, guys, this isn't our home. We're going to move someday. When you go, take me with you. Take my bones with you. And they did. Over 400 years later, they still emptied his grave and took them, him with them. His faith made, was seen in his funeral arrangements. So I don't know where your step of faith has to be. Maybe you've never taken a step of faith. Your first step of faith is to confess and repent from your sins, both generally and very specifically. Take a step of faith by trusting what God has said in this Bible. You may feel like you don't have enough faith, but God is the source of your faith. Trust and believe in Him today. Why? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things unseen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Enoch was taken up. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. By faith, Noah prepared an ark according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed by going. He lived. By faith, he lived in an alien place. By faith, Sarah received the ability to have a child. And they died in faith without receiving these promises. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed his sons. By faith, Joseph made mention of the exodus for his funeral arrangements. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents. By faith, Moses refused to work in Pharaoh's house anymore. By faith, he left Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, they walked through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. By faith, Rahab disobeyed the orders of people around her. By faith, great things happened in awful situations. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the faith you have given us. We pray that more will receive that faith. If there's somebody here who has not received your faith for the first time, I pray that they will confess, repent, and trust you for the first time. Lord, if somebody here has to make a decision in their lives by faith, I pray you give them the courage, the strength to do such. Because we can only live by faith, because it doesn't make any sense any other way. We pray all this, Lord, in your precious and holy name. Amen.